you fucked yeah, up. But you I, don't, I don't know, man. You can't. I'm not good at this. I've had my eyes burn. My eyes burn. You can't throw. You can't drop the thing when my eyes burn. Why do your eyes burn? Because I got five hours of sleep last night. That's five hour energy. Shout out five hour energy. Anti shout out five hour energy. That <laughs> shit is not that great. What, what, really what purpose not. do they serve? They're just they're just like a little thing. Work. I feel like it doesn't really work as well as it should. They used to advertise. I remember looking at the little. I'm surprised that they have to like have a a, a nutritional facts thing, but they're. Vitamin B is like eight thousand percent of your daily. It's yeah. like what the fuck? <laughs> what? How is this? That's, that doesn't seem safe. That's like uh, that's like a lot of these. A lot of energy drinks have like w- way too much like B vitamin stuff in it, and um, even a can of Monster, I feel like has like three hundred percent of your vitamin daily vitamin B three or something. But the idea is that uh, it's just you know. A lot of vitamins are and and minerals and stuff are just kind of in the situation of if you don't use it, it just it just leaves. You know, you just pissed out. Okay, that's fair. Uh, speaking of, I had a I had Rockstar Zero Mandarin Orange because it's ninety eight cents at the good old Winco. Shout out and, Winco, uh, man! I miss Winco. Big shout out Winco. We love Winco on the weekly. <laughs> what the fuck? Wait, sorry, that was the wrong one. What the fuck? <laughs> By the way, this is the weekly drive. Is that Imagine Dragons? It is. <laughs> Why the fuck do I know that? Uh, someone posted that on the on the Succession subreddit today. Yeah. And uh, I, I saw it and I was like, I, I didn't even know that that was the song that was going to play. I just started listening to it. And, and uh, as soon as I heard that line, I'm like, I need that one. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. I, I, I don't love that we have an Imagine Dragons soundbite, but, you know, if it's going to be from Succession, I'm all good with that. It wasn't actually used in in Succession. It was just on, on the on the Succession TV subreddit. God damn it. Which... I'm gonna when we get into this, remind me to give them an anti shout out, by the way. Yeah, I've been uh I've you know what? Just start it off. Just start, start it, it off. off. Give them an All why, right. we, why do we not like that subreddit? Give me the give me the lore. Give me the subreddit lore. Now now look. Now look. You know, I uh everybody everybody who's listening, HBO Succession had their series finale this past Sunday. And, you know, we, we have some thoughts on it. We all have some thoughts on it. Um, you know, I'm sure Roycast has some thoughts on it that, you know, they're, they, they did not contact us to collaborate. And that's their loss because I think we, uh, we, we do succession talk. I've never, again, I never listened to an episode of Roycast. I don't want to listen to an episode of Roycast, especially after they didn't respond to our collaboration request that we only gave over the show and never even actually emailed them or messaged them on any social media app. But, okay, they got some takes. <laughs> Uh, there's the official HBO uh, Succession podcast or something. I think you're you're a fucking dumbass if you listen to that. Like it's it's the network putting out the content about the content that they put out. That's fucking stupid. Give me a I, goddamn I break. I agree. <laughs> it's just terrible. Uh, so uh, before we even, I, it's it's I can't even say before we get into talk about the show because my my problem with the Succession TV subreddit uh, is sort of about you know the pivotal moment that happens in the show. Um, that subreddit is, is so harsh on Shiv. 
Uh, and, you know, there's a level where it is understandable because I think um, Shiv does some things, um, especially one big thing in the series finale, that are uh, questionable, if not outright just fucking terrible. Um, but they will give a break to like everybody else except for Shiv and not even like try and understand, you know, the situation that she's going through and what's been going on the whole like past season with her and, uh, you know, how, how her decision actually will, um, affect the rest of her life. And, um, I think it's just, it's just sad. You know, there's like one of the top, one of the top posts on, on the page right now is, uh, uh, have you ever girl bossed so hard that you become a housewife? And it's like, you missed the point completely, <laughs> my dude. You you were so far off on what happened there. And, uh, you know, I, I just think people don't give, uh, I mean, everybody likes Sarah Snook. We're, we're all big fans of Sarah Snook. And I had never seen her in fucking anything before this show. And um, I cannot imagine another actress playing Shiv Roy like she did such a great job with the role uh and I know everybody you know is congratulating her no one is like you know mad at Sarah Snook or anything but uh people are just I, I they just are not even trying to sympathize with that character meanwhile Kendall who fucking actually got a guy killed they're all like well no I wanted him to win like oh he's such a good oh no Kendall how could you Roman who did his best job to get like an extremely, I mean, you know, I'm not going to use the F word because people, oh, you can, if you, if you, you know, there's a lot of talk about that, but uh, got a very morally corrupt person uh, in the uh, <laughs> front running spot for, for president of the United States. And oh, no, Roman. Oh, no. We still love you, Roman. Oh. Uh, but Shiv uh, makes uh, one decision about who will be CEO and and she is the worst character of all time and they hate her with a passion and it's like come on guys you're you're so far off with this so far off I think yeah I really think that you're right people are missing this on both ends I'm gonna say that this is um I'm gonna make one small assertion and I think that this will kind of open a little bit of people's eyes but I think that men have a very tough time understanding Shiv's motives and actions and i think that's reflected with the very strong uh split between how men and how women are kind of judging shiv and trying to get it trying to get a gauge on how correct she is for doing what she is i think i think we got to start from episode eight because that's when we said but i'm just gonna say for the final episode I think she's I think she's admitting that she lost. She's kind of seen yes. she has seen that she could she 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 loses either way. Like this is this is a this is a path of status, you know, status win which she always had. She always had status. She always had, you know, links with politics. She was always uh, really well versed. I think she was always the best of the three in terms of industry connections and how she does things well as as far as like where she ends up where her results are she's she's just going to come out on top of all the of the other two at the end of the day but she is seeing the writing on the wall and that they're really fucking stupid you know that that the other two 
sons that are that are involved in this are are fucking hosed and this is a total mistake and she's seeing the way out she's seeing the way out for her for her child her unborn child she's seeing a way out for future manipulation of tom (laughs) i think that is the case (laughs) because now he is going to be the ceo and he is he has his seed inside shiv and that's pretty powerful I think she's tra- she's that's a grasp of of power in a way that only Shiv can do, and it's through, you know, being a woman, and that's a big that's a very big part of it, and I think that's partly why a lot of men don't get it, and it's partly why a lot of men really don't like her, and I really didn't like her for a lot of reasons before. I thought she was a conniving bitch, and now I'm I mean not that I see her any differently now than I you know in the first three seasons she is still a total conniving bitch. But I don't, I don't like hate her anymore. I think that this season she is definitely, her judgment is the cloudiest because she is pregnant for a lot of it, and she makes she she just fallen over herself. She's totally just fallen over herself at like almost every turn. She just you know, <laughs> the memes are that she rejects her family. She goes and makes other plans to spite them. Those plans fucking suck, and then she goes back to family. <laughs> it like happens like. Once every three episodes, the whole cycle completes. But yeah, that's where that's. I think this time it happened in one fucking episode. <laughs> the plans right. suck. And- she goes back to family, and then she fucking mess. She screws over the family. <laughs> where people are, people are completely overlooking though the 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 fact that like. Kendall has been plotting to fuck the other two over like the entire, yeah. not the entire season, but at least the past like few episodes, you know, his whole like one, one crown, one boss or whatever kind of shit. Like, Separate but equal fucking CEOs is basically what it is. Yeah, but he's he's been like trying to position himself to be the guy uh, yeah. since, you know, fucking, you know, on one hand since, since the beginning of the show, but on the other hand, you know since at least the middle of the season after they were supposed to be, you know, kind of a triumvirate or Troika or whatever. Uh, Roman, look, he, Roman's a guy. Yeah. I think (laughs) Kendall's right where, when he says that Roman never even really wanted it in the first place, I think that's completely true. Uh, And I think even Roman realized it's true at the end, but before we, before we get over there, uh, like you mentioned, let's, let's circle back to episode eight. Let's, let's go over these last few episodes of succession and uh, bask in uh, the the glory of uh, Jesse Armstrong's writing. Bravo, Jesse. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, give the show a a good send off. Yeah. So we, uh, we have episode eight. Um, I got to say when this one aired, uh, I was really upset because I couldn't. I, I wasn't gonna talk, bring it up on the show, but I was like, "Oh boy, this is a really good episode." I was. Uh, I think that the, you know, the scramble to be the first one to call it, despite you know later we find out, and I think episode ten that it might not even really happen. We might not. Uh, we might not get Mencken, but we have Mencken, the Republican candidate, backed by uh, backed by Roman, like basically in Roman's pocket, really close to the heart, uh, versus Gutierrez, I think his name was, who is the Democratic candidate that... Jimenez. Jimenez. Jimenez was... <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> You're fucking... Whatever, yeah. Um, Jimenez was the favorite, the odds-on favorite, 
And you could see even the newscasters for ATN were just like, man, I really hope Jimenez wins because I don't want to fucking do this charade for the next four years. Um, they they really <laughs> did not want Menken to win, I thought. You know, um, so even Menken said he didn't want to win. He's like, I'm really hoping for a close loss um, so that we can kind of, you know, hammer our drum, uh, beat our drum for the next four years and, and kind of do it all over again. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think he really wanted that power. He didn't want to be uh, in the back in the not that he didn't want to be in, in what's his face Roman's pocket, but just I he wanted to he wanted to just kind of have a close loss because he thought he was too extreme, which is possible. But we find out through the uh, through the episode that he's pulling, he, the, the exit polls or, or the results are coming in a little too good. Um, so good that uh, Wisconsin, <laughs> Milwaukee, nonetheless, has <laughs> their like major polling state. Like, imagine the biggest polling station in the most blue part of Milwaukee just burning down, and people are covering it. ATN has to be like, "Well, we're not really sure who did it. We're not sure if this is the right wing or if this is the left wing." But basically, they end up saying that. Uh, you know that they were going to call it and that the whatever results were like not significant enough to overturn the state um probably bullshit we find that it's <laughs> very likely to be bullshit uh, but they just wanted to be the first ones to call it you know to try and build on that build on that rep even though they are biased um you see the one i don't remember his name but he is the really skinny guy who gets wasabi in his eyes fucking greg um, he is really not okay with being you know this uh it lacking credibility you know calling it just so they could call it i think eventually he resigns after the whole scenario um but yeah this was this was tom this was tom's episode you know as as kendall said the first big super bowl after after a uh, logan passed so you kind of see they fuck it up they fuck it up my theory that this is Rome collapsing is continuing, and you we, at the end of the episode we get Shiv. Shiv is pissed. Shiv is furious because Shiv does not want to rule. Shiv does not want to be part of this company, and that's why you later see her go back to Matson, try and get Tom in on it because this is a fucking joke. Oh, Tom hates your guts. Sorry, Shiv. Tom wants to fucking see you burn. Shiv says, "Tom, I'm pregnant into your baby," and Tom's like. Is this is this a is this fake? Where's the camera? He's like looking for the camera, <laughs> but there is no camera. Shiv is like just begasted, and without without any context, he is um, you know, he looks like a total fucking asshole. But after Shiv is manipulated and they've said their words, they've said pretty much some of the worst things you could say. Um, you know, I could see Tom saying that, but it's still a fucking horrible thing to say. Um. But he could see he kind of is like he half believes it. He's like, really? He's he's like half in shock. But then he goes back. You know, he's got to do his ATN coverage for the for the stuff. Uh, the funniest thing, I think, was when the whiteboard broke or something. And they're like, give me my fucking whiteboard. Uh, what was it? A projector or some? Board? Yeah, it was it was like a, a screen that they were projecting election results on. And um, it was malfunctioning. And yeah. Um, yeah, they needed to get another one. I thought that was funny because I could totally see something like that happening, like in the moment where they have a like the whole behind the scenes shit 
and like the making graphics. I thought that was pretty cool because I think there's probably there were probably a lot of, uh, you know, industry people that were asked about, like, how does this actually work on like election night? What do we do and how do we make graphics on the fly? How do we if a projector breaks or a screen breaks? What do we do? Oh, yell at each other. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, got to also say shout out to Greg. Because, man, if I were in the scenario that uh, that Shiv was like, do you find me attractive or something in the back room? Man, I'd be popping the biggest boner right there. <laughs> uh, in that moment, bro, you can't would, even blame tell me you me. wouldn't. Can't even blame me. Tell no, me you I'm wouldn't. right there with you, man. I'm right there. Well, I mean, that's 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 your cousin, though. Like, yeah, OK, that's that's true. I'm not a fucking I'm not a cousin fucker, so. Yeah, if, I mean, just because I live in Alabama, don't don't come at me like that. <laughs> the um, I don't know. Are there any other things that you wanted to talk about? It was a long episode. I mean, this is like an hour and 20 minutes. It was pretty fucking solid. I enjoyed it. But you saw the dysfunction firsthand. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you you summarized it pretty well there. Um, I think we got to give a quick shout out to uh, to Tom for uh putting up with all the the bs that uh kendall and 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 roman are giving him to like you know push to call the election or something and uh, i think uh darwin is the guy's name or he was like uh well you know it's it's really not there i don't want to lose my credibility uh can we do like a, a pending graphic or fucking something? And like uh, sure yeah uh but i don't think they end up doing that anyway i think uh they just kind of go with it and and push that Mencken one um I do want to say maybe my least favorite plot point in this entire season, which is frustrating because it does shape the way that the rest of it goes, is um, when uh, when Kendall asks Shiv to call Nate to like try and check in about uh, about what's going on in the, on the Democrat side, um, and she pretends to call him and you know, doesn't actually do anything. It's like, come on, Shiv. Like, come on. Like, you, you don't think he's going to follow up on that in any way? Like, what's your contingency plan there? Maybe, I, okay, like emotions are high and there's a lot of stress and you're just trying to do what you got to do to to uh, to not not let Mencken uh, get this call. But like, come on. that I have a hard time believing it, even with everything going on. That kind of pulls me out a little bit where I'm like, just, you know, call and whatever. If you got to like, you know, bullshit a conversation really quick, then at least do that. But don't just uh, not even call because then Kendall follows up and is like, oh, wow, shift. You didn't even call. And then Kendall decides to team up with Roman there and say, uh, you know, Mencken's going to get that call for for the victory. And then that kind of you know, sets up more of Shiv feeling pushed out and sets up some things that happen later on. Um, Greg, I give a shout out to Greg in this episode for for a half second for like kind of seeming like he had a little bit of a backbone when Tom asks him to like get coffee for him. And Greg's like, hey, man, I don't do coffee anymore. And Tom's yeah. like, no, bitch, you do coffee. You still do coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Greg uh, almost earned a point there, but he didn't. But uh, other than that, yeah, I think you covered pretty much everything about it. I did want to say um, this was this was like this was a little bit of a finale because I knew that there would not be anything major. 
uh, with him in the end or in the next two episodes. I had a really good feeling that this was kind of like his finish, but we get the Connor concession speech. And <laughs> this was, this was, I'm deeming it the requiem for the con heads. This is what we all wanted. I became a con head way too late. And I realized, no, wait in that, in that, like, uh, in that moment, in the scene, basically, in the episode where, where Logan says, you are not serious people, that was kind of one of the first where I'm like, yeah, Connor is legit. Connor is like the only real person here. Everyone else is like, I think that's definitely a part of it. And I'll get into that in episode nine. But you see, like, in episode 10, you see that this is really from the perspective, this is filmed and shot from the perspective of the three kids. And when you see everything else that happens and you kind of get out of that perspective, you force yourself out of it, things make a little bit more sense. And you're just like, why the fuck? Why are we watching these three dipshits? I don't like any of them. They all suck in different ways. And uh, yeah, Connor, Connor is just a, is like a true neutral. Like you can, you can cheer for him in the concession speech. It was beautiful. It's, it was, it was, it was unending of the show. So that's, that was him conceding. Shout yeah, out to him getting I, uh, like 20% in Alaska or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that they didn't, uh, you know, actually give, which, you know, I'm a con head. Con heads, we're, we're not exactly loving how his campaign ended up. Um, but I'm glad that the writers did not actually give Connor like a, give his campaign a serious role mm-hmm. in, uh, in the election. He was just kind of like a, uh, like that one part where they're like, if it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen in Kentucky. And then they're like, well, Mankin wins Kentucky. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Willow goes, fuck Kentucky. And Connor's like, no, I shan't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that's such a Connor response to the situation. Uh, he, he might, I don't think he's a serious person either, but he at least knows that he's not an entirely serious person. I mean, maybe he doesn't know that. Maybe he's like delusional with the campaign and all that, but he's at least trying to do something out on his own away from the company. Um, mm-hmm. So we always like to see that, to see uh, see somebody not not uh, just trying to be the typical Roy in the Roy family. Um, but yeah, his, his campaign was a joke and I'm glad that they didn't actually give him any W's. Mm-hmm. Would you get Bodega Sushi? I don't really like sushi, so no, I wouldn't do that. But again, it's one of those things where I'm like, Tom, you, I never liked Tom, man. I never liked him. Which that was Greg. Greg got the sushi. Yeah, but Tom's like, I'm not eating the bodega sushi because he's like too good for it or whatever. And it's like, Tom, you're you're from you're from the Midwest, dude. You're, <laughs> you're from like here. Indiana, bitch. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, I wouldn't eat bodega sushi either, man. That shit's disgusting. That's like gotta Have be tried the it? lowest. I don't know if I want to try it. It would have to be a bougie ass bodega for me to want to go in there and eat sushi. And I mean, like the fridges better be fucking like maximum degree refrigeration, which I'm I'm skeptical that 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 they would run it that cold. Otherwise, I I don't know about that sushi. But I've seen a lot of images of people eating sushi from some, you know, even just half questionable places, and like getting going to the hospital. So I'm like, eh, I don't know that this whole sushi thing is for me. <laughs> But yeah, that's yeah. that's that's my answer. That fucking bodega ass sushi with wasabi. I 
despise wasabi. That shit is disgusting. Really? That is a fucking, it is way too strong, and it is like a very pungent flavor that I dislike. It's not good. Yeah, I like some wasabi. I'm in for some wasabi. It's uh it uh it clears out the nostrils, which I appreciate. Yeah, it does. It does clear out the nostrils. <laughs> Plenty of good tasting things clear out the nostrils too. But we could go to episode nine. Episode eight, episode eight ends with Shiv losing her mind. It's over. I can't believe I run ATN. I can't believe that we're <laughs> fucking selling this thing. I need to distance him. I need to distance myself. But then in episode nine at the funeral. What does Shiv do? Ow, I don't really, th- I don't really have opinions. Fucking bitch. <laughs> I know how this works. I know how that money works. I can, I can change on a fly. This, it's conniving bitch. That's all I have to say. I'll, uh, I'll let you do episode nine because it's, because I did eight. So episode nine, uh, it's, it's all centered around uh, Logan's funeral, which, uh it kind of ties into another criticism I have of this season so far or not so far it's over, but just in general is that the time felt or it was so much more compressed than the other seasons. And I'm not sure that that was kind of the best decision for the show. Uh, I really feel like, you know, they could have pushed this to five seasons. They really could have um, just have, maybe the whole fourth season kind of about uh, the kids trying to, you know, beat Logan at his own game and, you know, shenanigans going on there. Um, And then, you know, maybe end the fourth season or start the fifth season with him dying and then process things after that. And, um, but I don't know, maybe that would have just made the fifth season even more compressed. So maybe they just needed a couple more episodes to kind of flesh the plot of this season out. Mm -hmm. Maybe 12 or 13. Yeah, yeah, that would have been good. Um, but as it is, they get to the funeral finally in uh, in the ninth episode. And the episode starts with, like, Roman hyping himself up, being like, I'm that dude. I'm the guy. I'm going to fucking do this. I, I got my flashcards for my speech, bro. I don't even need these flashcards because I'm, I'm just that guy. Um, and uh, I I was kind of prepared for him to to really have a good, strong moment. Like, I was... I can't say I was cheering on Roman after episode eight, but I felt like he was making moves. He was more confident. He uh, he ha- he had things going for him. Whereas, you know, episode eight, one thing we didn't mention is that Kendall was very hesitant for pretty much the entire episode uh, because obviously uh, Mencken's uh, part of his base uh, might not be too kind on Kendall's adopted daughter, who is Indian. Um. So he, you know, was subtly or not subtly, but like trying to choose between uh, what might be a good decision for him in the future as CEO versus what is a good decision for his kids. And of course, Kendall doesn't give a shit about his kids. So he goes with the company. Uh, So episode nine, you know, Roman, he's ready to go. This is his moment. He gets up in front of the crowd, about to give a speech, about to eulogize his father and uh he ends up crying like a little bitch and it's not good it's not good you know you're allowed uh this is the article i talked about this last episode i think where uh, wall street journal pushed an article to me the uh the 
morning after the episode yeah, and I hadn't yeah. seen it yet. And it was like the rules of crying in public that Roman didn't know or something like that. And that's a big spoiler for the episode because I wouldn't have guessed that that was something that was going to happen. Uh, but as it does, uh, Roman just cannot get through uh, the emotions that he's just been bottling up for the past few episodes about his dad dying. And, um, you know, he, he figured he'd pre-grieved it or whatever, and he was going to do fine. But as soon as he sees the, uh, the coffin with Logan's body in it, he just cannot focus. He can't do it. And he breaks down and uh, ugly cries in front of the room, which was uh, maybe the worst thing he could have done in that moment. Um, especially, you know, you, you go out to the crowd and you see uh, Mencken in particular just very uh, disappointed in one sense, but also like, wow, I cannot believe I was about to ally with this guy. Um, you can tell that Mencken's not the kind of person who's going to respect any sort of weakness in someone. Mm -hmm. So having Roman just break down emotionally like that in front of everybody is kind of like a, you know, this is not my guy. Like I can't do this with him. <laughs> um, I, I actually, I might've skipped over it. Did you and speak before Roman or, or after before I think. Okay. So I skipped that one. So I'm going to, I'm going to rewind a little bit then. Uh, Ewan is actually not supposed to speak at this funeral, and uh, Greg is supposed to be the one who's going to stop him from speaking, but Ewan's going to be Ewan, so he just, you know, charges past Greg, basically, and Greg's like, well, fuck, what am I supposed to do there? Like, I can't just, like, push my, my grandpa out of the side, or, like, you know, I can't really restrain this dude. Dipshit um, moment of the season, by the way. Total. <laughs> this is the moment that I was thinking of where I'm like, wow, these people are fucking deranged. And that moment is like dipshit moment of the year for succession, I think. Just like, wow, these characters are fucking stupid. Tom, Roman, Shiv, Kendall, and Greg are so like succumbed with power that like those moments, I'm just like, holy fuck. This is like dipshit top tier moment. So. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? These people are crazy. You mean them letting you and get up get up to speak? No, them trying to restrain you and, and oh, not speak okay. because like, oh, it's gonna hurt the stock. Like, bitch, no fucking family would do this. <laughs> this is ridiculous and stupid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and even he points that out. He's like, What kind of people would stop a brother from speaking yeah. at you know, stop someone from speaking at his brother's funeral just because it would hurt the share price? Uh, but, you know, Ewan goes up there and he gives actually some really eye-opening backstory about things that happened when uh, he and Logan were, were kids. And um, I, don't, I don't remember all of it in enough detail to really get into it, but the one thing that I think everybody had kind of um, had some questions about earlier on in the show, uh, maybe in, in season one even, either season, season one or season two. No, you know what? It was season two because it was uh, when Kendall is uh, fucking with Rhea and giving her advice on what to toast to Logan. And uh, she brings up Rose in her toast and everyone just gets quiet. And mm -hmm. it's this really awkward moment where they don't really explain what happened there. But as as a viewer, you get the sense that like there's Logan does not want to talk about Rose at all. Like that's just a, a nothing. He, you don't go there with him. And so, uh, wow, that was kind of loud. 
And so we've kind of been wondering for those past two seasons, like, well, what is it about Rose? Like, why is that a, a no-go for Logan? And and Ewan brings it up where he says that basically uh, Logan had contracted polio at some point in their childhood. And uh, either either he contracted it or they, they didn't know if he did. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I, you know, it's it's fairly vague, I guess. I don't exactly know the mechanics of polio. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that they didn't just, you know, give an, an over exposition for it. They just kind of have him mention it and, um, go on with his speech. But he basically says that, you know, after Logan had possibly contracted polio and he came back home or he did mention that Logan was sick. Um, but I guess they, they still don't mention how sick he was. Mm -hmm. Um, he came back home and, uh, Rose ended up contracting polio and and dying after that. And nobody really knows if Logan gave it to her, uh, but their parents did not really comfort him emotionally in that moment or or their their caregivers. I don't know if it was their parents or some extended family or whoever. Um, but they didn't, you know, comfort him the way that you're supposed to comfort a child in that situation where you're supposed to say, no, it's not your fault. You know, this, this isn't because of you. Um, but they just never did anything like that with Logan. And it, it ends up, you know, giving some good backstory to his character and why he's such a, a harsh person is because it's like, well, that's how he grew up, you know? And we've already seen uh, from a few seasons ago when he's in the swimming pool and he has like all the lashes or welts on his back, all the scars, uh, which were presumably from like, you know, a belt. Um, we already knew that there was, you know, some level of physical abuse that might've happened in his childhood, but we didn't know that, you know, there was also that layer of emotional abuse on there too. Um, and, you know, that's some, that's some good writing because it's not something that, uh, they didn't dwell on it, you know, when he was more prominently in the show, it's just something they, they put in at his funeral to give everybody a little bit more backstory. And I, I appreciated that. Um, and then Ewan just goes on to rip Logan, a new asshole after he's dead, which <laughs> is just hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. And there's, there's a little bit of self-criticism in there too, where Ewan's like, you know, maybe I'm not that great either, but he, you know, his point is basically like, well, at least I'm trying, you know, and, and Logan just kind of stopped trying. And, um, you know, then, like I mentioned earlier, Roman goes up and does his thing and he cries like a bitch in front of everybody. And then uh, Kendall has to go in and save it. And I think this was one of the highlights of Kendall's character in the season. Uh, it's, you know, another one of those like living plus moments where you realize why he's the one who's supposed to be like hyped up to take over because he goes up there and he just owns that crowd. Uh, he doesn't, you know, give an, an overly sappy speech where he's like, yeah, you know, my, my father was the greatest guy on the planet and, uh, you know, you and you're wrong and uh, he had so much love. He's like, no, Logan was a fucking, he was a, a force of nature. He was destructive, but like he created things, you know, he had, he had power and he wasn't afraid to wield that power. And, uh, you know, Kendall talks about how he hopes that that's him too. And, he gets, you know, the ovation from the crowd and uh, you see Mencken smiling at him because that's exactly the kind of speech that Mencken would respect. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Kendall goes in and takes a seat and then Shiv goes up and is like, yeah, uh, Logan was a sexist, but like, that's my dad, bro. So 
it's all good, right? And just kind of like walks off. And I I don't even understand why she felt like she had a need to uh yeah. to say anything in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um but it is also kind of funny that Connor was actually the only one who really had a a speech prepared and he's the only one who didn't actually get to talk <laughs> at the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> just Connor continuously getting shafted. Um and I want to say that's that's the main plot of the episode. Is there anything you would want to add on to that? Yes, there is absolutely something I want to add on to it. Um, in my opinion, one of the funniest little side edits of the entire, certainly the season, perhaps the entire show, was Greg riding a bike through the city to get to the funeral. Yes. Did you ever? I, I had to stop because that shit was so fucking funny. I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. And it got to the, it got like immediately the edit right after is like such a juxtaposition that it's the fun, it's the start of the funeral. And I'm literally there dying fucking laughing. I had to rewind it, watch Craig fucking ride that bike again because it, it does it so unnaturally. The bike, <laughs> he's like trying to pedal really hard to where it like looks like it's a mountain biker that or like a Tour de France guy where the bike is like tilting back and forth really fo- but it does not look right at all his knees are like way out of place and he looks like he's never rode a bike before or he's trying to do that thing where he like stands tall to look bigger you know it's so fucking funny it's like intentionally funny where he's like where the direction was like ride a bike to where you like, but look like you've never rode a bike before, but you're trying to look like you know how to ride a bike. <laughs> and it's so fucking good. I'm like, I watched it skit at least three times, but I couldn't stop. And I never, I would never rewind this show otherwise, unless it's like a, a very important thing that I feel like I missed, but this shit was hilarious. And uh, I mean, I, that I, is something part of it is great. Part of it is also just because Nicholas Braun is like six, seven or something. He's shit, huge. Right? <laughs> <laughs> He's um, huge. I think that helps yeah. his character. Yeah, that uh, it, it helps the whole like awkward, you know, lanky just just doesn't ever fit in anywhere kind of uh, kind of vibe for him. Um, one other thing though, I, I forgot to point out is that uh, our our good friend Carrie shows up at the funeral. And I think that's yeah. the first we've seen of her in a few episodes. Um, and she's there with her brother, who is actually her real life brother, apparently. And and they both have the same long hair, which is also pretty funny. Um, but there's this kind of, I, I don't know what the adjective for this moment is. Um, but in the front row, you have um, Caroline, which is Logan's first wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other woman, I can't remember her name. Marcia. And uh, Marsha. No, no, there's the, there's the other woman, too. Mm-hmm. And um, Marsha ends up, uh, or, or Caroline comes up to, uh, I, I don't exactly remember what the setup for the scene is, but there's, you know, this this quick chat between Caroline, the other woman, Marsha, and Carrie. And Caroline's like, yeah, this other woman, that's my Carrie. Uh, so let's all just go up and, and, like, you know, come up to the front row uh you know because this is hurting all of us mm-hmm. and so you have his his two wives and his two mistresses all sitting together in this yeah. like sort of awkward but also kind of wholesome moment um and 
I just thought that was really striking. I, I didn't see that, you know, kind of forgiveness coming from Marsha in that moment, but it did. And I, I thought that was um, a pretty solid sign of strength. And um, also that other woman whose name I can't remember, that's Brian Cox's actual wife, apparently. <laughs> so that's just like another side note. That's pretty uh, solid. I'll get you in on this, babe. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's that's one of the... Uh, that's another one of the reasons where when they were filming this episode, like the, the press kind of was taking pictures of a funeral and they were like, Oh, well somebody dies this season. Yeah. And uh, nobody actually knew who it was going to be because Brian Cox was there uh, because his wife was there. So <laughs> that's a good way to good do way it. To then that. That's yeah. probably the, the, how they were able to pan that off without the press being like, Oh, Logan dies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so that's th- episode nine, really. I would say that that was more of like a an amicable like get together between you know all of the the wives and mistresses. I, I don't know if I'd say wholesome, but it was certainly amicable, and I think it spoke a little bit of volume towards that. There were people that were in. Yes, he was a harsh person. Yes, he was real rough around the edges. But people in the end were able to get together you know, in support and, you know, even with love where I don't think the kids were ever able to, I don't think that they were ever able to, they were able to get together and unite, but only if it was out of like conquest, whether it was, whether it was to conquer Logan or was to conquer the company, you know, that's the only time they ever got together. I don't know that they were really, I don't know that I would give, I don't know that I would really call any of the three speeches out of love. Maybe Roman, but that's more like pathetic bullshit than that. You know, him finally cracking down than it is of love. Uh, Shiv has no love for him whatsoever. And I think that this is Kendall trying to make a power move, you know, and, and being in search of power versus out of love. I don't, I don't know that I would call it, but that's my take on it. I don't know that I've had anything else. I, I don't know. Like, I think for Kendall, it is kind of a mixed bag. I think he does mean everything that he's saying. I think he does, you know, desperately want to be his father at certain points. Um, but that's where a lot of the conflict inside of him comes in is that that's just not him. That's not who he is. And whenever he tries to play to that angle, uh, it, it always backfires on him because you know, you gotta you gotta find your own way. Uh, Logan was a certain kind of person, and that worked for him. Um, but Kendall's flaw is, is, in some instances at least, thinking that that could also be him. When, uh, if Kendall was ever going to be the head of uh, of Waystar, then he would have had to do it his own way, and he he could never find that. Hmm. Yeah, I um I agree. I think as a whole, this was of the three episodes, this is probably my least favorite. I this was where I was like feeling like after the last episode, the political, the election, and then followed by the big funeral, I was definitely thinking what you had expressed earlier. I'm like, damn, they're really fucking putting this end of this show together because th- these are like really long episodes of like one 
solid idea that you could easily see through like the how they kind of planned this out in the writing stage we're like all right we've got this budget we've got to tie this shit together i will say though they tied it better you know as as far as like trying to fit in all the necessary shit i think they did a pretty good job at like doing it with the episodes they had because you know they you know like all right we got 10 episodes figure it out and they're like all right, we're going to do it. We're trying. So I think they did all right. But this one was like fucking slow. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a funeral. All right. And maybe that's the intention. Damn, I've been fucking I'm like half falling asleep at times watching these bozos fall over each other. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a good penultimate episode, but it's not or it's, it's a great penultimate episode, but it's not like a, a great episode on its own. I don't think. Mm hmm. So then we have episode 10, the show finale. We go into it. We're looking for a, there's going to be a board meeting. There's going to be votes. Shiv going into the episode. We have Shiv with Matson still, still backing Matson to be the CEO. Shiv tells Matson earlier, like just an episode or two ago, he's like, you need a US CEO now that Mencken is the president. And guess what? It's going to be me. And Matson's like playing her along, like, yeah, okay, Shiv, wink, wink. Like in his head, he that's what he's doing. But in his body, he's like, yeah, I could, if this is what it's got to be, then this is what it'll be. And then we, uh, we see that Kendall and Roman are like, fuck this deal. We're still killing this deal. We love, we love dad. We're going to keep the company. And then, you know, th- this is their, this is their plan is to try and get the votes so that they can kill Shiv. And they find out that Shiv is fucking them, which I thought was a fucking hilarious scene. I was loving that. Um, watching Shiv kind of having to backpedal. Um, but they are like, all right, we got to kill Shiv. And here's how we're going to do it. I think the opening scene of this episode is funny because they both count Ewan. They both count Sonya. So you can see, I thought that was realistic. They're like, yeah, we could get this guy or we could get this person and try and like, you know, this is, it's like a little bit of desperation, but it's like, okay, these are what the numbers are going to be if we're going to if we're going to win this thing. And I think going into it that Shiv was definitely more realistic. Shiv had the numbers. Shiv was ready to sell out because everyone wants to sell out. And that is kind of where it stood. So sh- <laughs> we forgot in episode nine that Rome ended the fucking episode going and punching people in the <laughs> riot because i was like wait why did they go to the why did they go to their mom's house oh yeah because roman was like dying apparently but yeah episode nine ends with roman going into the crowd and taking out his frustration on protesters to try and beat the shit out of him and yeah that's that's a roman thing roman's going off the edge and he's just expressing his frustration with the world and he's just going to go and cuss out a bunch of protesters and then go try and beat some people up but gets his ass beat in the process so Shiv goes there first and Shiv is like you know trying to get Roman possibly to swing his vote over to her uh Kendall gets word of it Kendall's like no I'm not do- I'm not having that Kendall goes over the mom is what do you think what do you think about the mom what do you think about the mom in this whole thing Caroline, she's a she's a a a a uh I have distasteful words for Lady Caroline. Um she so 
I missed the part where uh, I think in the last episode she actually did invite the siblings over to uh, to her place. Um, I thought it was just kind of a thing where like Roman ended up there and, um, you know, he wanted to be with mommy after he got hurt because mm-hmm. that sounds like a Roman thing. Yeah. Um, she might be one of the worst moms in TV history, though. Like, I'm, I'm not even fucking yeah. with you on that one. She, uh, she is, is not at all there the way she needs to be. And um, she wasn't even supposed to tell Shiv that Roman was there. That She was not supposed to do that. But she's like, she just doesn't want to be around him like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then, so two then, thumbs down to yeah. Lady Caroline. She's, she's a bit of a passenger for me. I don't like her. I don't like her entourage. I don't like the, I don't like her image. I don't like anything about her. So it makes sense that, you know, you kind of have one parent who grew up with a bunch of rage from, you know, having a unsupportive family from possibly killing, you know, bringing death onto their, onto his sister and their daughter. And then this woman who is a, a just a mess, selfish, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, these these kids are not really the greatest of kids. But you get there and eventually it's found out, you know, Tom is talking with with Matson. Tom is like Matson is under the impression that Shiv is kind of getting the best of him because of the because of that, which I saw it. I wish they didn't kind of call it out, but that like cartoon in the in the magazine, let's just call it the New York or the what do you call it? Time magazine. Time magazine has very similar pages to that one. And you kind of see the cartoon is, is Shiv is the puppet master and Matson's the puppet. Matson hates that. No matter, you know, how much Shiv can kind of downplay it or whatever, uh, Matson ain't gonna let that slide. So Matson is Matson tells fucking Tom, it's like, why do I want the baby lady when I can just have the guy <laughs> that put the baby in her? Which, <laughs> what did he actually mean by this? <laughs> I would like to know. Um, but that was a really odd. That I just thought that was a weird line. Ch- checks out for Matson because Matson's a weird dude. Um, yeah, just bricks of blood. Sending bricks of blood to women. Um, what did he mean by this? Apparently, uh, anyway, a good strategy. It's an odd strategy. I don't get it. It worked for him. It did. I mean, I guess it worked for him, but now he's got he's got Emma Ebba to to drag around everywhere because he can't fire her. But that's just that's just how it is. So Tom is basically accepting of the role, of course, because Shiv says earlier, Tom will suck the biggest dick in the room. And what does Tom go and do? And Matson sees that. Matson is like, oh my god, this guy is literally sucking my dick. But this is exactly what he wants. So Shiv is like, oh yeah, Tom's not a Tom is like Shiv is explaining Tom in a way that a girl would understand and then like back off. But she is explaining it to Matson, who is a really off the wall kind of guy that wants exactly that. Matson wants a puppet. If this is how it's got to get done, then Matson's just like, screw it. I'll USCEO is fine as long as he's a puppet. And that's exactly what t- Tom is perfect for that role. Tom will fucking put the strings on himself. Tom is like, okay, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. And then Matson is like, I want to have sex with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's like, sure. 
I'm good with that. Sure, whatever, whatever it needs to be. And and Matson's like, okay, yep, this is my guy. This is my guy. He's willing to let me fuck his wife. I don't know that he actually wants to fuck Shiv. At the end of the day, it's really unimportant. But there it is. Uh, Tom is Tom is willing to do it. Tom at that point, Tom has won. Tom mm-hmm. has won because Matt he is Matson's guy, and that's all he needs. So then. The funniest, oh god! Once it once they pulled it up, I was I was dying. They basically removed Shiv from the draft and replaced it with XX, like a placeholder for whatever CEO takes over. And Shiv is livid. This is after stupid ass Greg. This is the dumbest. This I don't believe that this would ever happen. I thought that this was kind of stupid because whenever you have to do this, you have to talk like directly into your phone, like. If you even talk with a little bit of distance, it's never going to pick up. But fucking Greg basically figures out through the Snapchat language to language that Shiv is not the girl and that they're replacing her. And he tells Kendall in an effort to to power move to get some get some power. And Kendall promises him something awesome. And it, fucking Greg, of course, goes for it without any like smidgen of substance. He's like, yeah, fine. I'll sell out. I'll sell out fucking Tom. I don't think he knew he was selling out Tom, though. He knew that it wasn't going to be Shiv in an effort to like get the play. But then Tom like goes and beats his ass later. <laughs> and then Greg slaps the shit out of Tom, which was beautiful. I think that was unscripted, but that was a really good slap. I, I give that one a, like an eight out of 10. Good sound, good motion. I mean, he's got the reach for it. Uh, so then Kendall's like, yo, Shiv, you're fucked. It's over for you. Uh, and Shiv is like, I don't believe you. I'm going to go ask other people. <laughs> and then she goes and asks other people and she's like, I fucking hate you, Kendall, you piece of shit. <laughs> so then they're like, all right, well, we got to kill this thing because I'm not going to, you know, Shiv's like, I'm not going to be CEO. Fuck this. I don't know. Does she find out? Does she, she does find out it's Tom before the vote. She's like, oh my God, it's going to be Tom uh, because I don't know how she found How did she find out it was going to be Tom? It was basically Tom tells her. Um, it's it's sort of like in their mm. conversation where uh, Shiv's like, yeah, you know, actually, it's not going to be me. And Tom just cannot sell, you know, whatever his his lie might be in the situation. Oh, it's so bad. He, he cannot it sell it for his life. life. And she's like, oh, fuck, it's going to be you, isn't it? You fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Um, from then on, Shiv is like, nope, we're killing this thing. Time to kill this thing. How do we kill this thing? Let's go get the votes to kill this thing. And then, yeah. and then what's his face? I just, I, it was really weird timing because Tom immediately after telling, basically telling Shiv, he goes over to Greg and he's like, you fucked me. And he slaps him in the face, you know, he slaps mm-hmm. him up. I just found that odd timing because, I mean, he did, but it seems like it was Tom, like in, a, in that moment that he felt like he had a bit of power acting differently. You know, acting like a total parasite. I said that like three times during the episode. I'm like, Tom is a total parasite. And that's what you kind of, I, I feel like that's kind of what you saw. is him acting like a total parasite. He was like, yeah, Greg, I can keep you, but it's going to take, you're going to have to take a big fat pay cut for it, uh, which you parasite move, total scum. Tom is a dipshit. I don't like, I mean, I didn't like Tom before this episode, but he was just all, I didn't like him. Yeah, Tom, my my thing about him, like the entire show, is that the way he acts with Greg, you can tell that that's who he really is. And, and you know, he 
he's not any better than any of the other ones. He puts on this like nice guy, subservient front. Uh, but if he actually did ever have any kind of power, you know, he'd be an ass with it. You know, he'd be a fucking piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've never really liked the guy. And I think that was actually an interesting point you made earlier. I never even, I never considered that Greg didn't know that Tom was actually going to be the guy. Like I thought he knew that he was fucking Tom over there, but you're right that it is pretty vague. He, he didn't actually know that uh, there would be no way for him to know that. So that is, uh, an interesting move. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then um, then it's kind of like they kind of decide that they needed to put together like the three the three kids needed to put together, you know, an alternate plan. And eventually through some just like we have nothing sort of means they're just like, OK, it's going to be Kendall because Kendall's the oldest. It can't be Roman because he's a bit fucking odd. And it can't really be Shiv because Shiv was just against the whole, you know, the whole thing. Shiv was just trying to plot for Matson to take over and, you know, have, have it be the takeover. So it couldn't really be her. I think begrudgingly they agreed, but I really loved the whole sidebar between those two. Like, what if we just killed him? What if we just <laughs> killed him? And then they start mocking him. The impressions I thought were hilarious. Uh, that was another good scene. You know, I I wish that we got more Shiv and Roman when they weren't fighting each other politically stuff. Because when they were together, they could have made an actually good team, but they never would have known it. They never would have known it. It was I already think you too can late. Say that, I think you can say that about all of the kids. If they just would have, mm-hmm. like, known how to work together, uh, they could have been a really great team. But like you said earlier, the only times they ever work together are, are if they have a common enemy. And when it comes to like fighting or, or when, you know, things are happening between them, they just, they can't get along because it's just, it's just not how they were raised pretty much. Like they were always having to fight for, for daddy's attention and everything. And they don't know how to let any of the other ones win. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, it was it, that moment they go over. It was, it felt so like it felt uncharacteristic of Shiv and Roman to swim over to that little thing on on the in the water the floaty thing in the water to like go over talk to Kendall and be like all right we pick you this is what it's going to be it just didn't feel right it felt like they it felt uncharacteristic for the for at least Shiv to totally relinquish power and just be like all right this is what I'm that might have been the moment that Shiv lost is that she just accepted, you know, that this is what it was going to be in an effort to fuck over Tom, you know, because I, I still will maintain that she did not win. I think uh, so. F- eventually they have their whole they hold their whole hoopla. They make him take a the the meal for a king meal fit for a king, which is funny. I, I definitely believe that, you know, amongst the higher powers, there's like a you know, they make them do dumb shit whenever they get some ama- amazing power role. Yeah, they make them do some some nut shit. I don't know. Freemasons. Yeah. The fucking the thing in the woods in California. They make them go and burn shit in the woods. Bohemian Grove, bro. Give yeah, some Bohemian, Bohemian Grove. Grove. That thing. <laughs> you know the thing. Yeah, that that's what I was that's what I was hinting at. But yeah, so they do that, and then if you want to if you want to give some enlightenment onto the 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 VHS tape or whatever that they watch of of um, Logan singing the the presidential losers and having a jamboree 
uh, Honor's there. You know, it seems like everyone's having a great time and singing along. And and there's three people missing. There's they're just not there. We're talking about the 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 main sibs, right? Yeah, the main sibs. They're there watching their dad be happy with Connor and Willa and Frank and and um, the other guy, Frank and Carl and Jerry and Carolina. They're all having a boardroom grand time. Some reason Connor's there. I don't know why fucking Connor and Willa would be there in this like situation, but. But there they are, everyone but the siblings. And there they are watching on VHS after he's dead. What do you think about that? I mean, I I'm 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 guessing that with the timeline that this is just, you know, that occurred sometime fairly recently where um the kids are still in there, oh fuck you, dad, oh kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Um but it was a. Uh, it's kind of a uh, a nice, sweet scene. Um, I do think it's fitting that Connor, of course, the one who's always getting left out, is actually the only one that's there for Logan. Yeah. <laughs> um, just the irony of of Connor's existence is is it's the gift that keeps on giving. And um, I think uh, it was kind of one of the few like genuinely tender moments Logan has, at least in the only sense that he can be tender, where I guess it was, I think it was Carl singing uh, some uh, Scottish song or whatever. And he's like, oh, he's, he's fucking butchering it. Carrie, he's, he's butchering it. But then he still just kind of sits there and listens to it and uh, gets kind of quiet after a minute. Uh, you don't really get to see too much of that uh, through the rest of the show. And uh, it was, of course, nice to get a little bit more Brian Cox acting before the show ended. Right. I thought it was really candid. I, I really enjoyed it. And I think their reaction to like, it's like they were re-meeting their own father. Mm-hmm. You know, That's they didn't point. really know who he was. And they were constantly blinded with their, with the power, you know, with the, with the, with the, what do you call it? Not the foresight of power, but like the re, the grasp of power. They were like, one day I'm going to get it one day. You know, they're constantly doing this song and dance. And there he is, like, as a human being, which you didn't see. They said it at the funeral, like, you know, rough around the edges, rough guy, tough guy. Everyone knew it. And then there he is, like, you know, doing his little song at some old age. And there's and there's um, there's his mistress right there. There's everyone else that they knew. And it's 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 sad. It's sad that 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 was one of the moments I'm like, all right, these are the people you're watching it through their vision. And it's fucking pitiful. It's a really sad vision, you know, to have to watch this shit through their eyes. But um, then eventually we get to the boardroom and I'm going to be dead honest. I thought going into the boardroom, it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be 10 to three. Like I thought it was going to be everyone. Like they just fall flat on their face. They look really (laughs) pathetic. Even Stewie votes against like Kendall and all that, you know, and they're just like, everyone wants to cash out. And like the show just almost ends right there. Like they just fucking fall flat on their face because everything leading up to it felt really dumb. Like, you know, Kendall and Shiv and Roman are walking around and people seem, I think it, it, to me, it felt like they seemed like they were about to stab them in the back. It was going to be a total betrayal at the board. And I don't even think Stewie was really like, 
as he had been. And when we got the first, when we got the first uh, vote with them, I was kind of surprised, but I thought, um, you know, it just felt really what, like what were Kendall and Roman doing in that room, you know, having a fucking bro hug. And, but then it turned like really hostile where, you know, Roman wanted it to be him. And Kendall is like, it can't be you. Cause I'm about to break your face. <laughs> and then there he goes breaking his face. That was a really intense scene. I thought that was well done to capture the side that you didn't see a whole lot in Kendall and that he was totally psychotic and really willing to fucking hurt people, even his own brother. Um, and you get just, you get, you know, fucking hurting Roman even more. Roman is already a broken man, just breaking him even further. Uh, and then we get to the board meeting and, you know, say some words. Everyone's like, well, my opinion is made up. Let's just do the vote. And then they start doing the vote and, Everyone is kind of voting yes, like to for the takeover. And Kendall is like, nope, I'm not doing it. Frank is like, yep, I am doing it. Carl is like, yep, I want my money. Get me the <laughs> fuck out of here. So, you know, then that girl and her old man, I don't know what their names are, but, you know, that girl and Sandy the, and Sandy, guy, Sandy and Sandy. Yeah, yeah. So they they're just like, we're out of here. Give us our money. Uh, then you get you and. Ewan, I think, was the first to say no, or who was right before him? We got we to gotta find this vote tally thing online. Yeah, I can't recall just off the top of my head. Uh, fuck it. I put in vote tally, and it gives me a bunch of stuff for episode eight for the votes for when the fucking election happened. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it is looking pretty tied. Uh, Ewan says no. I'm not really sure why Ewan would say no. Why do you think? Uh, it is, uh, it's a tough one. I, I wasn't expecting you to say no. Um, I think for him, you know, maybe it's a last favor to Logan. Maybe it's him, you know, wanting to, uh, honor his brother in that way. And at least, you know, keep the, keep the company in the family so that, you know, maybe they can do something good with it instead of give it to like you know Matson, who's some fucking you know shit he'll nobody uh mm -hmm. well not nobody but like he's he's clearly like not in uh not going to look out for any sort of culture within the company maybe he had a little bit of faith in the kids i don't really know um but yeah i mean it's 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 a little vague I'm surprised. I think he's really I don't think he gives a shit about the kids or the company. I think it's more you know, if he said yes, he'd be able to give all that money to like Greenpeace and stuff and just say, here, do some climatism stuff. But he says no. And I think it's maybe just a rejection of of Matson in in general. That's probably that's what I'm getting out of it. I think he's rejecting Matson and it's a and it's a vote to to keep it within the family and possibly and try to grow it at the end of the day. But it, it, yeah, aside from that, who knows? Roman struggles with his vote. Roman is sitting there struggling. He eventually like bleats out a no. Like it sounds like the most painful no that someone has ever said. And then like shot like in an odd unnerving way kendall is like reaffirming that it feels like abuse it feels like emotional abuse and 
you know that's on that's on par for for roman so we 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 can all get that but then i think it you know it's 6 to 6 and this is the moment of the show this is the this is the the penultimate moment shiv fucking bolts out she's like i can't do this i can't do this i'm out of here and and kendall is like oh no 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 bitch you get the fuck back <laughs> in here now we are about to win this vote and it spirals out of control you got kendall you got roman you got shiv all in one room and shiv says i love you but i cannot fucking stomach you and that's that's a great that's pretty much what it is at the end of the day they are bickering they're at each other's throats and you know they're constantly fighting kendall says i'm the eldest boy and cuck <laughs> mode i at that moment i'm just like okay end this show it's over and fucking, <laughs> it, i'm 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 fine with it ending just just finish it off I thought it was. A, I thought I'll be honest. I thought it was a really cringe line. I don't know if it's supposed to be cringe or not, but I just it is, couldn't. Yeah, it is. I'm just like, God damn, just end this show. And she's just like, No, I'm not. Uh, she's just not willing to give it. To, and then they find she finds out that they killed the boy. The boy came back. The boy came back to bite fucking Kendall. I think you would theorize that it would eventually come back. It was either you or someone else, but I definitely heard from someone I know that uh, that it would come back to bite Kendall in the ass, the, the killing of the boy. Yeah, but I mean, I uh, first, I don't think it was me, uh, but I when when she said that, I don't think that I feel like it's fairly obvious that that was not like actually her reason for not uh for not turning down the deal. I think it was just kind of something she said in the moment um, to say something like her earlier comment about how she loves Kendall, but she just like can't stand him or stomach him or whatever. I think that was absolutely true uh, because Kendall, man, he had it. He really had it. I, I going into this episode, man, I, I found myself wanting him to win. Like, I'm not ashamed to say it. Like, I wanted Kendall to end up as the CEO. He's the main character of this story. Uh, I, I I wanted him to, to put all the pieces together and, you know, maybe have the tragic ending of him betraying his siblings to end up like his father or something. I don't know. I just, I did want it to be Kendall. I want it to be him. And I'm at the same time, I'm like happy that it wasn't him. I think it's good writing that it isn't him because he didn't have the juice, man. He just didn't have the juice. But uh, it was still so disappointing to see him, you know, completely fall apart in this episode from from the beginning or or maybe the, I guess it's the middle of the episode when he when he puts his feet up, when he sits in, in Logan's chair and puts his feet up on the table. I think that's the first point where she was like, wait a second. <laughs> Uh, maybe this is not the best idea. And, um, <laughs> you know, him just being so arrogant walking into that board meeting, like uh, he says something along the lines of like, you know, if, if you uh, if you vote for the deal, well, then you're going to have to fire me and find a new CEO. And it's like, Brett, what? Why? Why are you doing this? Like what? <laughs> you, you, even if you think you've secured the votes, like you got to play this close to the chest, man. You got to. You gotta you gotta game this a little bit better, but that's just not him. He he felt like he had it because he felt like he deserved it because 
Logan had been telling him since he was like seven years old or whatever that he was eventually going to get the company and everything he's done, you know, for his whole life has been to get the company. And he, he felt like it was his, uh, his, his birthright or his bloodline. He says something Mm -hmm. along those lines, um, which, you know, Roman ends up having kind of a mean, a really mean counter to, but at the same time, you know, accurate um, in that, Apparently, neither of Kendall's kids are actually his biological children. Um, I feel like we we kind of knew that Sophie was uh, was was not uh, his his child because, at the very least, like she's darker than both him and Rava. So it's like, uh, you know, that that's kind of a one plus one equals three situation. <laughs> um, yeah, that that was one I was having a real tough time trying to follow in the moment. Because he's speaking so fast and the moment is very intense. But he's basically saying that Kendall's child is not actually his. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I also had to look it up after because I didn't catch it in that particular moment. But he mentioned something about like a, a Roman mentioned something about a filing cabinet or, cabinet or something for Iverson. Um, and I think the implication there is that um, Iverson... Uh, was conceived via a sperm donor or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Kendall actually doesn't have any Roy blood that he would be passing on, you know, the torch to. And Shiv, on the other hand, actually does have that. Uh, so technically, you know, this position should get passed down through her in some way. And also, you know, Kendall, I'm the eldest boy. Like, we've been through this before. You're not. Connor exists, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was it was such a a cringe fest uh, for Kendall to like throw a tantrum like that, and I think that's again very in line with his character because we've seen you know him throw these tantrums and be immature about these situations earlier on in the show, and um, I think that's also kind of the final moment where maybe. You know, there might have been a chance after Shiv walked out if he would have, if Kendall would have had like, you know, a little bit more of a plan and, you know, calmly talked to her and tried to resolve it in a mature manner. Maybe he could have convinced her to to sway her vote. Um, but, you know, that's just not, again, that's not him. That's not who he is. He is he's manic and he's entitled and he's arrogant and he thinks he should be the CEO just because he's him. And, you know, that plays into exactly why Shiv doesn't want it to be him because on the one hand, you know, there's, there's other aspects of him just being kind of, you know, big, giving off big douche energy when he finally does sit in the chair. And it's like, you fucker, like you, you only got this cause we gave it to you. And he doesn't recognize that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, yeah, in that side room, that's sort of the, the nail in the coffin for him. And, um, you just can't recover from that. Yeah. I've, uh, he had a total breakdown. It's exactly what I think a lot of people in line with or in tune with Kendall's character would have done. Uh, he fucking has a total breakdown. You witness it and he goes back into the boardroom and Carl is like, it's done. Or Frank is like, it's done. It's over. We sold, sold, sold to Gojo. 
and goes into the elevator. There's one fucking other guy <laughs> in the elevator. It's like, like, oh no, he's dead. This guy's finished. Um, but he doesn't. He doesn't end up harming this other guy, at least as far as we know. Um, but then you have the deal. You have the Gojo deal. They, uh, you have the whole Gojo crew in there. They're taking a bunch of photos. Roman is. Roman does the signing, doesn't do the photo next to him, and he's just like, yeah, whatever, fuck off, goodbye. Um, and then you have Tom in there, Tom's taking photos, and they they say out, you know, Matson says out, and we also have Judas here, and then it pans to Greg. Dude, my, my theory is that Greg gets fired in episode 11. You know, of course it'll never exist, but my opinion is that Greg gets fired. You know, we can call that, you know, fake lore or whatever, but I think it's tough to see a reality in where he doesn't. So that's just my opinion. Uh, you see Roman kind of just having a breakdown. Also, you know, we have the whole the soliloquy of Roman just saying, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. We're bullshit. Mm. You're bullshit. I'm bullshit. We're all bullshit. Um, I honestly didn't get it. I didn't. It, it had no effect on me. I And really? I think that's kind of part of it. I don't think Roman is supposed to have an effect. Roman is there. Roman is just there. He's he, I. I don't think that that was it. I never felt anything in that scene. I was just like, yeah, Roman's having his his realization that none of this really matters and that it's all just a game and that it's, you know, it's all just silly reality TV show bullshit. And I didn't I didn't have a feeling for that. What do you think? You seem to disagree. I mean, I think you're kind of right that, the you know, Roman knows that. Or, or, you know, even like the whole point of his character is almost that like he doesn't really matter at the end of it. Um, he's he's just kind of there. But I think that scene did have a, a big effect on me because he's the only one who realizes it. He's the only one who knows that this is all bullshit, that none of it matters. Because mm-hmm. one of the one of the messages I sent to you about uh, my reaction to the show is that or this this finale is that one of the marks of the great writing for me is that. I still feel sorry for, you know, these characters and and how it ends for some of them when they got a huge fucking payout because of this deal. They're going to be even richer than they already were. Mm-hmm. And I'm sad for them. <laughs> like Roman's the only one who gets that like, yeah, no, this is fucking bullshit. Like it's just stupid. Like we're, we're rich. Like what the fuck? Why do you care? You know? And I think that's the reason why Roman's the only one who ends this, who ends the show smiling. He's out there sipping on a martini, man. He's having a good damn time. <laughs> yeah, he was just chilling. Kendall is like, my life is finished. I'm gonna. <laughs> Kendall's full I'm, depression. Mode. I'm gonna really fucking imagine me jumping into the Hudson right now, but he doesn't. And then there's Shiv sitting in the limousine. Tom, the new CEO of Waystar Royco, right there. And Shiv, you know, Tom puts out his hand and he says, put your hand right fucking there. Like non, you know, non-verbally says, put your hand right there. And Shiv, in the most begrudging way, does it. She listens. She puts her hand she doesn't grasp his she doesn't grasp within his fingers. She just sets her hand right on top. And 
that is that is the most shiv thing possible that was i mean the cherry on top that was great writing it was perfect and i think that this is the ideal end for every single character i mean i don't know you could probably argue roman doing something different but i think he yeah at the end of the day he doesn't give a shit he's like whatever fuck it this is what it is it's all dumb i don't care and that's that's what you have it uh Kendall is like, I'm going to kill myself. I will never recover from this. And Shiv is sitting there right next to another, you know, man that she is now under. And she is riding up in she's riding up in status because of it. And that's the show. Bam. That's the end. And I thought it was—I thought it was appropriate for everyone. I don't know that I—I I don't know that it's appropriate that Tom wins. Like, what's the what's the theme there? Like, suck enough dicks and you become the the man to have your dick sucked. Like, what's what is it? Tell me. I think well, the thing about Tom is that he gets you know kind of like you pointed out earlier, he gets picked because uh, Lucas Matson is like I just need somebody here who's gonna who's gonna do what I say. Um, his problem with Shiv was that she had too many ideas. Um, she was too smart. She actually knew what she was doing. Um, and, uh, you know, there was that comic of Shiv being the puppeteer behind Matson's puppet. And he kind of played it off like he didn't care about that. But you could tell that, like, that does not gel with a guy like him. Um, I think the the lesson here is just that Tom did what he needed to do to survive. He... He never let his ambition get in the way of what was realistic. And I, it worked for him, you know? I, he's, he's, you know, an empty suit at the head of the company. Who knows how much real power he actually has? Uh, who knows how much Matson is actually going to be involved with running the company? But Tom didn't overshoot. You know, everybody else overshot. They, they thought they were more than they were, and Tom... He he kind of he knew who he was. He knew that he was just mm-hmm. kind of there to be, uh, you know, the subservient guy. And if he did that long enough, he would keep getting more and more power, even if it meant he wasn't the most powerful. Uh, he knew what he could get, and he's not going to rock the boat. You know, right. I think that's that's uh, sometimes what uh, what you need to do in that situation. And the other kids, they had too much pride. They they mm-hmm. had too much pride. They couldn't let you know they couldn't get their vision of their selves out of the way of what the best play is Mm -hmm.
Yeah, that's the theme song to Succession. If you didn't know, you know that's the that's <laughs> for all the Philippians that skip intro. I'm gonna say it. If you skipped intro for the finale, you do not have a soul. You are going to hell, and you fucking deserve all of it. I am gonna say that. Yeah, if you skip the intro, Succession, you're a fake fan, and uh, we don't want you. Yeah, fucking shout out to that. Fucking stupid fake fans. They don't deserve to enjoy this. Uh, so I'm going to say that the... I've said it before, but but like in terms of linguistic, you know, you know, Shiv Roy, it's, it's a regal name. People say that Roy means king too in either Latin or like Spanish or shit. Um, I don't even care about that, but it's a very... You know, it's a linguistically nice sounding name. Kendall Roy, Roman Roy, Siobhan Roy. These people sound like they are legacy family, you know, rich people because they are. And then you have Tom Wamsgams coming in to throw in a fucking wrench into the into the plan. And I think that it was almost destined that, you know, the family was never going to win. The siblings are all so at odds with each other. And if you're going to have an outsider, someone named Wamsgams from the Midwest is going to be the man to do it. He, I, I don't know if they ever say where he is from, from the Midwest. I don't know if Indiana is actually the state or not. I just kind of throw that out there. But I think he is, you know, sometime in the show, he, you know, they, they say he's from the Midwest. And I just choose to go with that. So, um, yeah, it's Tom, and I think at the end, too, you know, Tom is like, Greg, I have just the capital for you, and he puts the sticker on Greg's forehead to to say that he claims Greg if no one else mm-hmm. does, which is so, so cute, so oddly, like, oddly sinister. I got a sinister feel from that, um, but also we never mentioned, you know, Connor in, in episode 10. They're auctioning auctioning off Logan's shit. And, uh, you know, it's like sticker first come, first serve. But he's like, oh, yeah, those medals? Ah, I, I might have taken them. Yeah, that was me. They're mine. <laughs> They're mine, guys. You can have everything else. Get all this shit out of my house because I'm going to put a big cow print couch here. The stupid oh, ass Willa. fucking Willa. <laughs> the fucking cow print couch. Come I got to say, Willa. that's disgusting. That is disgusting. I would never Terrible. have a cow print couch. You got all this nice shit, and you're gonna put a cow print couch in there? Come on, Willa. I, what I know did she you're say not, that like, the house was gonna be for. It seems like they had a purpose for it. She said something about another play, I think. Yeah, this is disgusting. I think a cow print couch is in pretty bad is in bad taste. Yeah, it's it's very gauche. Um, but but since you uh, since you were talking about names, um, were you were you up on the uh, the the Wamsgans baseball theory? Yeah, I have seen that. I actually looked at that like a few hours before the show. I looked up uh, Wamsgams, the whole baseball theory, and I I feel like that's like a little Easter egg thrown in because I don't fully agree with that theory being like precisely in succession, but explain it. So uh, there was a baseball player named Bill Wamsgans spelled with uh, one extra S at the end. Otherwise, it it looks like it's exactly the same as the way Tom spells his name. Um, 
He played for about 13 seasons, uh, but apparently what he's known for, and I, I guess this is still true. I haven't fact-checked it, but it's on sportingnews.com, which seems legit. Um, he, in 1920, completed the only unassisted triple play in World Series history. So he uh, it says he caught a line drive for one out, stepped on second base for the second out, and tagged a runner for the third out. So the idea is that Wamsgans is taking out three people at once, and that's you know how it fits Tom. <laughs> My fucking! I looked up the YouTube because I'm signed into fucking Google. Look at the fucking thing that comes up on my YouTube when I try to like open this shit up. <laughs> what did uh? Wait a second. <laughs> God damn! But yeah, um, I was looking. I'm looking up. Now I'm looking at Bill Wobsgam's MVP or you know play, and I'm trying to. I don't know if it's actually. It might not actually be on film. I don't think it's on film. No, 1920 probably not. Oh, 1920. Yeah, no, it's definitely not on film. I didn't know Did the they year. Have film I, in 1920. I searched it. I no, it was not a thing. It the film. Eh, I mean, it was, but it was in like only in the cinema. You know, uh, I would assume it was not used at sporting events. They didn't televise it. It was only on the radio, you know, and you're getting a like a feed from, you know, the radio announcer. So, yeah, I I looked it up and I, I skimmed through something that talked about this. And I I had a feeling it was from like the 70s or so and that I could look it up later and no it's not but yeah and yeah. apparently one of the uh, executive producers of succession has said that no that that's not a it's not what we were doing there they they picked tom's name before they'd even shot a first season in 2016 let alone mapped out precise story twists that would culminate 39 episodes later so it, well, i'm uh, glad it they fits, shot it down yeah i i like to think that this is just another uh, another example of um the, the weird convergence of, uh, of facts in the universe. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I would agree with that because I think, you know, if we're going to really stick to this being like true, unassisted, unassisted Tom, no, like the exact right. opposite, the exact yeah. polar opposite. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a weird convergence of just facts becoming more existence and I'm in more things happening and more things being recorded. Honestly, we could use a burning of the library of Alexandria again to like rid of these facts where people make coincidental things and they say this is this is more than coincidence and it's actually just not. So I mean let's let's burn the internet library of Alexandria. <laughs> How about that? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Okay, cracking a sip to that. Oh that's a, no, that's the match. That's the match. Okay, you always match. think the match is the crack. Um, but I, uh, I mean, it's it's like uh, the guy who plays Frank. I think he posted something where he was like, you know, I've been looking on Reddit, and uh, some of these people are getting it right. Where it's like, yeah, okay, that's just because everybody's throwing all these fucking darts. Somebody mm -hmm. has to get it. Um, I feel like I don't know if we've talked about Infinite Monkey Theorem on the show before, but uh, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's it's the idea that if you give a monkey an infinite amount of time, 
and have it bash a keyboard, you know, randomly, completely randomly, uh, eventually just through sheer randomness, it's, it's going to spell out the complete works of Shakespeare. Just because if you keep having all these trials, uh, all these random trials for your event, then eventually you're going to get every possible outcome of it. Um, so it's kind of similar to that where, you know, you have all these people guessing about different things. Like there's so many, there's, there's, you know, just the thread for the, for the last episode right now, there's 24,000 comments on it. So like, there's enough people here where somebody, you know, is going to make an, an educated guess that gets it right. And it's just more, you know, then they're going to go, ha, I called it, I called it where it's like, okay, but you know, fuck you. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't even think this is really true. Like infinite monkey theorem. This is like infinite monkey theorem, but you have infinite amount of monkeys and you're pressing a number between one and eight. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like eight is the realistic number of scenarios that could that could come out no one's guessing that fucking carolina is gonna be the ceo no <laughs> one's guessing that fucking you know i don't know people were guessing greg i was gonna guess greg because i don't like greg those are the both, dumbest though. people those are the <laughs> yeah, Greg, dumbest look, people oh I greg's gonna make it to see come on that's that, that'd be such a that would that would be that would be worse than than king brand that would be worse that yeah. would actually be worse <laughs> some people were guessing stewie like a while ago but i don't think it you know he wasn't main character you know they were guessing that in like season three like stewie could fucking puppet kendall into you know becoming ceo but it's like that's dumb like no we're not gonna guess it but this yeah of course some people are gonna get it right some people were definitely guessing uh, guessing tom during the course of this season, but over the course of season one, two, and like the first half of three, uh, you would have been laughed out the room. Tom was a fucking joke. Tom was probably even a joke through the end of season three, but season four, it gradually became more realistic, uh, where especially with Matson, uh, I think I will still say, I think one of the better episodes that I'm going to remember from this is the one where they go to Sweden and fucking talk with Matson and you know bang it out and shit. Uh, I think that was Kill List, episode five. So that was I thought that was really good. Um, and that's I think you know one episode where it became all you know even then even Kill List. I don't think anyone or yeah that was in Norway, which is just weird because they're talking in Swedish, but they went to Norway to go meet up with the like. Come on, get you get, figure it out, guys. Like where are these people from? uh where are these where are these quirky scandinavian people from um but yeah i don't uh i don't even think tom was like really big then like they didn't even want him to go to the thing because he was such like a side character like carl and frank were laughing at him and then in the end episode carl and frank there they are gazing at tom the ceo and they're just like man this shit is fucked i am so glad that we are retiring like in their head anyway. I don't I forget what they actually said, but they're just like, man, look at them. This isn't, you know, kind of they're just like shocked. I felt like uh Carl and Frank said something about one last rodeo at the end though. Like they were they they had been considering, you know, just taking the money and running, but I think uh at the end they were like, Well, you know, wait a second. Fight, let's see how far we can take it. I don't think uh, that would be realistic, but I think that's funny that they were like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's one more thing. Oh, I don't know if you uh, if you read 
the the interview that Jeremy Strong did, um, but there was also one one uh, one shot that didn't end up in the episode where at the end um, he actually did like get up and climb up on the railing and was about to jump, and uh, the guy who plays Colin like actually had to come up and pull him back from it uh, because Jeremy Strong is crazy and you know he's he's on his method actor shit and he might have actually like fucking jumped in the river. <laughs> no, come on. For like to be an actor, that is so that is so like not difficult. You know, to actually get up there and to just fucking jump in in a very stoic, you know, thing. I I I, I would like to see that cut. But I don't It was cold I, that I day, think, man. I bet it was fucking cold. They probably filmed in like February or so. February, yeah. Oh, they did. There wasn't any. Yeah. There weren't. There wasn't any snow there. Where, did they film in New York City? I yeah, mean, they I must have. They that looked like Hudson. Yeah, man, they this global warming shit's crazy. <laughs> fucking hell, there's no snow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was my last thought for it. There, I don't know if uh, if if you had anything else. Um, if not. You know, I'm going to pass it off to you first to uh, talk about how you, you know, at least as of right now, how you're going to put succession in, in the in the pantheon of uh, in, of television history. How do you how do you place it? Do you think it's in this in this upper echelon of of, you know, top tier TV shows? Do you think it's a level below that? Do you think uh, it didn't stick the landing? You know, what's what's your thoughts on it overall? I would like to rewatch this whole show because you did have you did have the. Uh the grit and perseverance to rewatch the whole show before season four, but season four is excellent. It is. I think if you're going to put a gun to my head and say like rate season four, I think season four is in that echelon of, of the top tier, you know, true detective one, uh, you know, you know, certain bits of the wire, whatever you like, but season four was really phenomenal. I mean, really, really phenomenal. You got a lot of the... I, I oftentimes struggle to find shows where I think the dialogue between characters is believable or I, I, find, it, uh, I find it interesting. This, this show is running circles around a lot of other shows in terms of character interaction and subtle you know subtle cues a lot of just hidden stuff that's thrown in there this feels like a very well crafted show at least season where you know there is so much to to look at and there's so much detail to to take note of um i would i i i think at my most enthusiastic i would say i would put this show in that upper echelon, but I do want to rewatch season one because I do feel like I remember it being a little less so well um, put together and so well filmed. And I, I, you know, I think of course they did get the budget for this to be like excellent in the final season. I don't remember season one being as well shot and as well produced, you know, even the makeup I think was really, really good. That's probably doesn't get, uh, talked enough about in this show, of course, because you know it looks you're supposed to look like normal people. 
Um, but the design that, you know, I know, I think it was either in the main succession sub, but they did like a, like a fashion with succession sort of thing where they show that fucking Kendall just has the biggest affliction to Tom Ford of any human being alive, <laughs> um, which is really fun. I, I think it's funny. It's just quirky. You know, you can kind of, you can kind of make out character stuff from their, from their choice of fashion, but, um, I would like to rewatch the first three seasons. I'm, I'm going to, I've gotten like my rewatch cue. Uh, that I'm gonna probably watch the first three seasons. I'm not gonna go and rewatch season four because I just watched it, but I'm gonna watch that, the first season of True Detective, and you know I do I did actually just finish season four of Boardwalk Empire, so I've got to finish the fifth of oh, it, fifth and fuck. final of that. So I'm I, I just finished season four yesterday, so that's about where I'm at with that. So I'm gonna try and bang out this last season pretty quick but season four jillian say that again it's a big shout out to jillian that's a big shout out to jillian yeah big shout out to jillian i was uh love that actress yeah she is really good i think uh the tampa you're talking about the tampa girl no 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 that's that's uh that's patricia arquette um the, the that's uh the blonde one. Oh, Jillian, uh, the, the black girl that Chalky falls for? No, 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 Jimmy's mom. Oh, Jimmy's mom. Dude, Jimmy's mom is fucking smoking hot. Holy There fuck. you go, buddy. Holy <laughs> fuck. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Oh, my God. It is actually unfair how fucking hot that actress is. Um, You know, honestly, looking at her photos, she looks like she'd be a porn star or something because she is genuinely really really fine some of these old like old quote unquote like these 90s shoots of her are unbelievably attractive like to the point where it's unfair um yeah dude i was i was loving patricia arquette's actress though she was i thought she was killing it uh she she was very good at being like the only woman that would ever stand up to nucky so Mm -hmm. i thought that was pretty i thought that was fun to watch nucky kind of question you know what was going on and all that um, but anyway, I'm I'm putting Succession season four up there for sure. Uh, seasons one through three, I'm going to rewatch. But I want to hear you because you did watch season one through three before this. What do you think? So I actually, um, I I do want to rewatch the whole show again. Um, I think that's you know one of the highest compliments I can give to a, a TV show is that once it ends, I'm like I I want to do it all again. Uh, my only you know, big complaint. Um, you know, my, my only complaint that's more than anything minor even is that I I don't think the pacing was the best with this last season. I think, you know, it was just such a stark departure from uh, the pacing of the last three seasons that it, it, it felt like the timeline was a little bit hard to, to keep a grasp of at some points. And I, I think, you know, they either could have, stretched out for another season or, or, you know, done something. I don't know exactly what, but um, I, I can't get away from that little bit of disconnect I have, uh, you know, on its own. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I'm incredibly satisfied by it. Um, I think, you know, again, the mark of a great ending for me is, uh, you know, not if I get the ending that I want, because, sometimes the ending that I want is not the good ending, you know, as a viewer, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not creative enough to come up with like a, a great ending for a show. Um, but the endings where I kind of have to gnaw on it a little bit and, you know, 
maybe there's some element of bittersweetness, you know, there's something where, um, it's, it's a, it's a satisfying conclusion, even if it's not a, like the, uh, a, a positive conclusion, you know, I think those are great endings. I think, uh, the ending here was, was as close to perfect as, as an ending could get. Um, obviously, you know, if, if any of the kids got the company, then I think that would have been a little disappointing because they're not serious people, you know, <laughs> like they yeah. really aren't. Um, <laughs> so it had to be someone else. And even with me, you know, disliking Tom on the level that I did, I completely understand how he would be the person to end up on top. Um, I think, you know, kind of like what you said, like this show has just been running laps around pretty much everything else on right now. I've, I've tried other shows that the kids have gotten into. Like I've tried Barry, I've tried, uh, the white Lotus. Um, I've tried, you know, nothing on Netflix cause they put out garbage, but, um, you know, what, whatever somebody, you know, might, whatever trendy show somebody might recommend, I, I've at least given it a chance over the past few years and it's pretty much been a disappointment all around. Um, but this was compelling all the way through. I think at some other points, you know, the plot might be a little lacking. Um, and the show ends up being carried by the acting and the writing, which just phenomenal at pretty much every turn. I, I have no complaints about, you know, like you're talking about the dialogue, it just comes off so natural, even, you know, with them being as sort of witty and quippy as they might get at some points, it never feels forced the way it might in a Marvel movie or something like that. Um, so all that considered, I think it's a great show. I put it on that like second tier, great show, kind of in the same category. I'd put boardwalk in where it passes that line. It's something that's worth rewatching. Um, it's, it's, something that I hope people keep watching for, for years and years to come. Um, but it just didn't have that like little extra oomph that like, you know, uh, a classic like the wire or even, you know, the Sopranos, which I wasn't too big on. I, I still understand why that ends up in that, you know, classic television spot. Um, I don't think succession had that. I just don't think it was there, but again, like that's, that's, that's not, you know, a bad uh it's it's not to mark the show down in any sort of way at all um great show i'm I'm really happy with it and i think it ended when it needed to end which is you know sometimes the hardest part for a show is to to recognize that the story is told and uh they can just kind of wrap it up and move on and I'm, I'm glad they did i'm um i think i'm kind of surprised because i think the for me the show the the quality that puts it in that top tier is some kind of forceful, I mean, S tier actor or actress that really, and I think for, for something like true detective season one, that S tier is McConaughey for something uh, in the S tier of Sopranos. Yeah. It's Tony. We all know it's, it's, it's Tony. That's fucking carrying that show. You know, even with a lot of the really great side actors, Tony is, Tony is carrying that show. And I honestly thought that Logan for this was carrying the show. And I thought even through season four, where you lack him in a lot of the episodes, uh, he is there. He is, he is there. He is, um, he is a, a void. He is, he is, a, he is a force that is sucking in. That is, that is playing a role through other characters. 
and that is something that is you know that's that's talking about the the excellence of the other characters um that that someone like that can be emphasized and and kind of uh kind of expressed through other characters just how important he was to the show and and you know to the narrative so i mean i really do think uh i i think even through season four of boardwalk I think that I'd probably put Succession. I'd put certainly put Succession season four above Boardwalk as a whole, but I don't know that I would put Succession as a whole above Boardwalk as a whole because I I do think that one of the bigger uh, negatives is that the the budget for the show changes, and I think that changes the overall production. I think the the this Pinnacle season really, I mean, did a lot of things that the that the HBO darling show does, uh, you know, throughout its lifetime. So I'm, uh, I I'm going to rewatch this one, but I'm, I'm really feeling good about it. I'm, I'm very upset that it's over. Very, very upset that it's over because now I've got to find another show, but speaking about it, or I've got to finish the shows that are on my rewatch queue, but you know, speaking of the ones that you brought up, what do you think about white Lotus? I have seen both seasons. What do you think about it? Uh, so okay, I I've seen like five episodes of it, and I really tried. I really did try. Damn. Uh, but I just I couldn't do it, man. I I I was watching for Daddario for the most part. I'm you know I'm not gonna. Bro, she is unreal. Her eyes are unreal. Fucking dime. Fucking dime, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, those eyes. I would. I would. We're not even gonna get into what I would do to get looked at by those eyes in real life. But. <laughs> Uh, I think there's like, it's just, I, I, I can't even, you know, it's been so long since I've watched any of it and uh, maybe I should give it another shot because maybe it, it gets better after those, you know, first four or five episodes or whatever. But I, it's not even a sense of like, oh, I dislike all these characters. So uh, I can't watch it because that's, you know, kind of similar to succession for the most part where I don't like any of these people, but it's just, I couldn't I couldn't feel the characters, I guess. That's what it comes down to. I just couldn't I couldn't get into any of it. Um and I don't know, it just it just didn't appeal to me. I feel like it's it's not a mark on the show's quality at all. It's just a personal taste thing. It's like why do some people not like uh coconut? Like I don't know, man. I love coconut, but if other people don't, then you know, it's it just comes down to taste. Yeah, I thought season two was People were, I had seen uh, remarks that season two was a lot better, and I would actually push back on that altogether. I thought season one was way better than season two um, for a lot of reasons. And I was really dying to get through season one, and I really was not. I watched season two and I felt pretty upset that I, uh, you know, that I put that much time into it because I thought the ending was fucking dog shit i like the complete opposite of succession i thought it was fucking terrible and i guess we can just leave it at that i would if you don't like season one just do not even watch season two because it's it's i don't think it's worse as a quality but i just think the like the, the the theme and where it goes is just even worse um yeah i don't know i i i i think white lotus season one was was just like kind of a six for me i don't think it really had an effect like it's it's really like uh i don't know what you call it bite size but it's like one of those shows that you watch and you like 
it's okay in the moment and then you just like never remember it after like yeah. two weeks like two weeks it's almost completely void of your memory and i'm just like yeah that's that's kind of what it was but i remember where i was when i was watching it like i really liked you know if you, if you watch i think because it's six episodes if you watched five and you couldn't give a fuck about the finale then yeah like it's you just it just was not for you and that's all yeah fine. is it is it only two seasons? Like that's the end of the show? No more? Yeah, they're making a third one. And uh I'm just like, all right, sure. I don't I don't really think I'm gonna watch it, but but yeah. I am I am sad to bid uh succession to do because because I feel like this was really a show that I I wanted it to be good, and then there it was. Watch the whole <laughs> thing. And boom, what do you know? An Emmy Award winning series in, in season three finally gets the recognition. Season four, it is destined to sweep the ever living fuck out of the next <laughs> Emmys when it comes out. So uh, I, I'm i just going to say it. I mean, if I'm if I'm Jesse Armstrong, man, why do I have to be the guy saddled for everyone downloading fucking Max? stupid ass fucking max <laughs> right before the season starts because man i'm gonna say i was watching max on the plane and one of the few good things about the hbo downloads is that when when you were watching on hbo max i think when you had like your wi-fi and your data and your location your gps all that shit turned off and you were just watching on hbo max your battery usage would be really low like you could fucking watch a whole plane full of like two to three hours of shit and your battery would go from like 90 to like 55 percent which is for you know watching watching television for two and a half hours straight that's really good but when mm-hmm. i was watching on max man it, it ain't like that anymore that shit is getting throttled i went from 90 percent when i started to like 15 like really low really down there me i don't think i got to 10 but i definitely got to like 15 or whatever and that was without the the battery saver turned on yeah whatever but i don't i mean like i shouldn't have to turn on the battery saver if all my if my roaming is turned off man i shouldn't be using any fucking battery but there i am with max and it's getting throttled so that's a bit upsetting, but you know, at least I can download shit really quickly now. Yeah, man. You know what? Actually, I I think I've gotten a couple glitches with Max in in the you know week that it's been out or whatever. Where this happened during Succession, and it happened uh, during something else I was watching. Where when one scene would change to a new scene, uh, just very briefly, like the little. Uh, like timing bar at the bottom of the screen would pop back up and it's like what the fuck like i'm trying to get engrossed in this in this tv show right now and now you're reminding me that i'm watching a tv show by having this little time skipper bar thing pop back up like that never happened on hbo max for me but it's happened twice with max for me and i gotta say that's pretty disappointing that's pretty disappointing I don't. Th- I think that might have happened only once for me, but it was like, it was so I could just like skip back fifteen seconds and that was it. Like just like whatever, but it was still kind of yeah. weird. I was watching Boardwalk during when that happened, so yeah, it, it didn't like it didn't skip any of the show. Like it didn't fast forward or anything. It was just like in a transition between scenes, the little player bar pops up, and I'm like, 
you fuckers. You're mm-hmm. taking my hard-earned money, and this is what you're giving me? So, I, you know, I, we did it last week. But again, give an anti-shout-out to Max. I, I miss HBO, Max. This this new Max. Um, terrible branding. Uh, more glitches in, in the week that I've been using it than ever happened with HBO Max. And, um, you know whatever the the name of the ceo of hbo is i can't remember right now um fuck them fuck them i if they were if they were just able to make it so that my battery isn't so throttled anymore when i watch on you know download only dude i would i would stomach it changing from fucking purple to blue i could just be like all right fine that's just the cost (laughs) of doing business um but yeah no now my battery is toast I mean, it's just, it just is what it is. Uh, finish Ballmasters. Uh, shout out to no finish Ballmasters season one, uh, not okay. season two yet. Um, so yeah, shout out, shout out to uh, shout out to fucking Diggs, and uh, yeah, she wants a beer. She wants a fucking beer. Get her a beer. Shout out to fucking Gaz Bigsby. So yeah. I'm 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 satisfied. Umbilicus, dude. Umbilicus in the in the end of the season episode. That was fucking actual Kino. Fucking the the loser guy swinging Umbilicus around and using using him as a like a sledgehammer. That shit was hilarious. I was like all mm. on board with that to kill the Boom Boom Boys. So I was like, yeah. oh shit, this is actually fucking real Umbilicus. That was that was awesome. I love that. You, so. lo- you love to see Umbilicus get a win. Yeah, Umbilicus got a rare win, and I was feeling it because it's like you lose so much, but then like it was an actually good final like Umbilicus scene, and you're just like, oh shit, that is really epic. He's destroying them. <laughs> fucking Gaz Bigsby using the fucking baking the Umbilicus. <laughs> that shit was so fucking funny. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I studied the Umbilicus, and now I'm jacked. And then he uses it once, and she fucking turns bad again. <laughs> And then he's so he's so upset. He's like, "What? You fucking fraud! You faked the umbilicus." He was so livid. So that was I thought that was hilarious. So yeah, onward to season two with that. But yeah, otherwise, I mean, we're at the we're at the two hour mark. I'm good. This is the succession episode. We can get to my stupid ass space ambient winter fucking ambient. Winter synth space ambient album and this fucking London brew album next week if you want. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I could do it this week. I I, I don't have much to say about it. I kind of okay. just want to get it out of the way. Um, so yeah, London brew, uh, by London brew. This is a, a group of people who who got together to uh, uh, celebrate the fiftieth anniversary of Miles Davis album Bitches Brew. And try and give, you know, their take on that sound. Um, the first song, London Brew, I think is is very explicit in that. And then the second song, London Brew Part 2, uh, kind of continues on that. But also uh, definitely uh, is, is a lot closer to In a Silent Way, which came out, I think, the year before Bitches Brew. I can't remember off the top of my head. But still in Miles, you know, fusion period. And um, I thought this was a really boring album. I thought... This is 90 minutes long and it just seems like jerk off. Like it's, it's, it's just not, not even like wank in the sense that like, it's, it's, you know, just incredibly technical stuff that musicians are, are doing just to be technical. I think it's just, 
these are a lot of talented people who are trying to do a tribute to an album they love and that's fine but you know the consequence is that there's really nothing original about this um there's there's nothing uh particularly impressive in the sense that it would make me want to listen to this instead of just going back and listening to bitches brew which i don't even like bitches brew that much uh there's, there's a lot of people on here um, a lot of a lot of big names in the modern jazz scene especially like the modern london jazz scene um a lot of people know shabaka hutchins he's you know he's a part of this he's playing sax on it and then there's all these other fucking people but this is this is i don't want to say uninspired um because clearly they're inspired by bitches brew but it's just uneventful um i don't think this is a thing that needed to exist and i was really scraping the fucking bottom of the barrel honestly there was nothing i was excited to listen to this week anyway and so i figured you know what i'm gonna give this 90 minute jazz fusion album a listen and maybe that'll do something for me it's got a lot of talented people on it maybe i'll get into it but no uh this is a solid 2.5 this is just not an event i'm i'm almost this is number 57 for the year right now uh it i hope it drops this this doesn't even deserve to be my <laughs> top 500 this is it's it's not disappointing. It's not an embarrassment. It just basically doesn't exist to me. Uh, I got two comments about this album from uh, from what you said. First one is um, that one of the reviewers is named Technetium, and he's the second. This is the second time in like I don't know a month or a month and a half that I've seen him review something that either you or I have picked. Um, but this guy's fucking a 2006 account. And he's still reviewing yeah. things like he's still a human being in that he's not like, uh, he, he, you know, whatever he writes seems very original. And, you know, you could just, you know, a lot of it you'll probably disagree with because, you know, it, it's that's it, it is original. He's not like trying to appeal to to anyone. But I, I like I like reading his reviews because it feels like there are, you know, that the that the dead Internet theory like sometimes is not right. And, you know, I appreciate that every now and then. Uh, yeah, it says he's 45 and he's from Boston. And you know, that photo, that looks like a 45 year old from Boston. And, uh, I, I like his little, his little comments on his little page. Uh, one of his, his top 10 albums of all time are, uh, are fucking, what was I going to say? Swans, King Crimson Red, uh, Lift Your Skinny Fists and A Love Supreme and Jeff Buckley's Grace. Um, the other, the other stuff is like a little bit better. You know, and that I don't know them very much. One of them's an Opeth uh, album. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at his page right now, and um, I'm not mad at it. I, I, we've definitely talked about this guy before, actually, because mm. um, I like his whole thing about not doing overly long reviews. Because uh, some of these people out here are writing fucking high school essays, and it's like <laughs> you don't you don't have the juice, so just stop. Yeah, uh, that that top ten is. A little, a little disappointing, I think. Um, but I, I mean, the guy's forty-five, so like that's basically like, I want to say like dad rock, but like internet dad music with some metal like that, sprinkled in. Yeah, I mean that that fits. These these are like you know, between the buried and me, uh, Agalock, Converge, um, Enslaved. I don't know esoteric. Damn, on the same on the same thing. On on London Brew, this seems like a lot of a lot of older accounts just kind of came up, uh, but Diction uh, made an, made a review. And Diction is a site admin, 
Member since 2004. He does it for free. Oh my yeah, god. He does it for free. <laughs> 26,000 ratings. Man, I don't believe that anyone with a job can listen to that much music. I'm sorry. Uh, how old is he? Uh, says he's 40 from Montreal. Yeah, no, I don't. Way. I don't believe that. Yeah, that's shit. You can't like really sink your teeth into. It. I mean, even half that much of music. No. So, but that's uh my second comment is um got a question as to how you were able to listen to this album because uh there's a peculiar pattern of the album and the artist and the song all being the same. You want to comment? You wanna, oh no! You want to comment oh, no! on that? You fucked up. You fucked up. You fucked up. You said you could never listen to shit like this, and here you no! are. You didn't even see it. You did not. I even was. See I it. was so tired today. I wasn't even thinking about that. But fuck. That's why I didn't like this. Oh my <laughs> god. They did it. They fucking did it. They got me. You got fucking boomed, kid. You got fucking <laughs> boomed. You got fucking London brood. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, blood, you are tired. You didn't even see that. I feel like Mark, <laughs> fucking guy I know would have seen that. He would have been like, I ain't listening to this shit. <laughs> I cannot believe it. Yeah, you're right. It's London and Brew by London Brew. On, on the album, album. London Brew. This <laughs> fucking shit, man. That's that's this completely unavailable. They couldn't even come up with a, a different name. Like, I should have known. I should have seen it. I should have known. This is my fault. I deserve this 90 minutes of fucking nothingness. So, uh, my album, <laughs> my album is a, is a, is a winter synth, dark ambient dungeon synth album by a Swedish band uh, known as Eindelmedir, uh, also known as Parbostrom. I don't know if it's a guy or if it's a it's a band, but but we got this whole we got this thing. It's two people. Parbostrom is the music. It, it the the credits are Parbostrom is the music and the art, and Simon Heath is the mastering. So I'm going to say that this is really like one guy. I mean, mastering. What the fuck is mastering? Tell me what mastering is. Just, just what is it? I, I honestly, I cannot give you a good definition of like mastering versus mixing. I feel like they're, they're very similar things of just making sure that like levels for certain tracks are where the artist wants them to be or where the like producer or whatever wants them to be. Um, I want to say mastering is is and this is just shooting from the hip here so I got no evidence to back this up but I want to say mastering is a little bit more of uh seeing how the final product will play on like different gear and making sure that uh you don't end up with something that sounds like incredibly shitty um coming out of someone's car but like great in their airpods or something Yeah that's fair I uh I'm going to say that, uh, you know, if I'm going to give my quick rundown on this album, uh, Biosphere Substrata is my favorite winter ambient album that I've listened to. And uh, this has probably 
of the of the sound and the impact and even just the instrumental like intensity if you're gonna put this on like a db chart uh man there is fucking jack fuck going on here there's these descriptors are as boring as they are accurate and i was i was pretty disappointed i uh if i were this yeah i am gonna do it i am gonna do it i i was kind of thinking like as this as this album was going on man what does it take for like an ambient album for it to like for me to give it two like out of five two and uh yeah this is boring enough that i'm i'm willing to do it because i think that you know celestial studies and nightfall and always a wind were it just seems like there is jack fuck going on like there is just generally very light organ work generally very light piano work very very little intermixing um i think that i'm putting on a hit i'm putting on hidden pillars because that had the most intermixing like decent like frontline vocals with decent organ work in the middle ground with some just you know even just a little bit of uh interaction between the different you know different sound sources uh the other one that i would have even considered was star lore because that one has a little bit of you know it's like a little bit closer to duster you know some of the songs on duster where they have you know it's there's a certain note that Star Lore hits for most of this. Or uh, you know, whether it's a sharp or whether it's a or whether it's a certain note, but it, I think that they probably ripped a little bit off of Duster from this because of how similar it sounds and it's trying to appeal to a sense of stars or distance and not be so bass heavy. It's it's fairly treble heavy actually in that it's it's a little bit lighter tone and light on the bass and not doesn't have a whole lot of wub um but other than that i was like wow this is putting me to fucking sleep today and here i am already like wishing i could sleep a little bit more so (laughs) not doing good at that man if i could have found some brutal prog instead i would have loved that but here i am listening to probably like Actually, not even probably. This is surefire top three boring ass shit I've heard this fucking year uh, that put me to sleep. But since it is so un, like, unoffensive, I, I think I have to give it a two because it ser- at least serves a purpose. Uh, but there are albums that don't serve a purpose, and that's the shit that I would I'm willing to give lower. And this shit cures insomnia, so that's one thing. But a boom, and. Looking forward to listening to better music this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this was this was just the 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 disappointing music week because we had too much we had too much good. We had Succession. That was that was just the 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 only good we needed. Um, next week, same. I'm I'm hoping I get something a little bit better. I know I'm at least going to be listening to the new Beach Fossils album that is coming out on okay. June second because I've been waiting six years for it at this point and uh, not too hyped on some of the singles. So I'm going to see how it goes. He uh, listened to the singles. I listened to two of the singles and eh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, The, the fans are loving it. So 
I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, waited mm-hmm. six fucking years for them to finally put out a new album. Um, literally six years because their last one came out June second, twenty seventeen, and their new one is coming out June second, twenty twenty three. So, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bookend this show by saying the entirety of Succession airing was six years. So this Beach Fossil album better be fucking good because Succession was <laughs> during the, it's the last debut album. You know, also, always, what are you doing? Fucking six years for you guys, too. And Succession fucking said, now I'm going to, now I'm judging bands that take six years to release a fucking album. Uh, so anyway, that's my, that's my closing thoughts. Uh, until next week on the Better Music Edition uh, on the Weekly Drive-By. We better do it to succession. It was a great one. May you rest in peace, Jesse Armstrong. Uh, thank you for your thank you for your show. Weekly job, everyone. Just the one? What the fuck? Give, give me some more. What the fuck? Get, come on. One shot. One shot. One shot. Okay, that was pretty good. Um, I'm going to be watching Sarah Snook's next thing. That's all I'm going to say. All right, bye-bye. <laughs>